Welcome back to the Sports Business Take, your home for sports industry news with a little personality. I am Paul Hine. He is Zach Creekmore. How are you doing today, Zach? Doing great, Paul. How are you doing, brother? Good. We're sponsored by, wait, nope, never mind. We don't have a sponsor. We're not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get a sponsor, though. That would be cool if we could just, I don't know, reach out to some people and try to see. But we're definitely, we don't definitely have a big enough audience for that yet. So I'm trying to figure out yeah. how we can get out there a little more yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> trying to figure out how we can get out there a little bit more um obviously you know like i did the whole stuff with the website we're on like a bunch of different social media platforms but you know i, I gotta figure out some ways to get us in with some you know some more audiences christmas maybe break, maybe through christmas guests or break something. we're moving different christmas break we're moving different don't worry absolutely don't worry. I, I got ideas like, i just need time i got ideas okay I just need yeah time. <laughs> uh, yeah okay for sure we can brainstorm um <laughs> I'd like to do like once a week over Christmas break. That would be, that'd be good too. Cause like so far this fall, we've done like once every two weeks or once every 10 days or something. Cause we're both yeah. super busy, but <laughs> hopefully we can over the winter up it a little bit more. Um, so the first thing we have to talk about today, and I'm going to let you introduce this cause you're the soccer guy is the national women's soccer league signs a new media rights deal. Yeah. So you want to take it uh, away? Absolutely. So NWSL, um, National Women's Soccer League signs a new four-year deal for domestic rights deal with CBS, ESPN, Amazon, and Scripps. Um, Scripps is Ion Television being the featured network. So NFL draft, pregame show for all the games it's covered, going to NWSL. 118. Yeah, NWSL. You I said NFL. I said, did I really? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was it's okay. I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure we had that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the four networks will cover 118 matches every year. Previously, it was only 30 on nationwide television, domestic rights. Huge difference. Right? Huge Huge difference. difference. It definitely speaks to the impact and the growth of the NWSL, which we'll dive deeper into as we go. Absolutely. um, Throughout this conversation, right? Reportedly a $240 million deal, which is $60 million a year, 40 times what they were making previously with CBS since 2020, which is at $1.5 million a year. And most notably, this is the largest deal in women's sports history, right? Yeah. I just want to let people have that sink in for a second. The largest deal in women's sports history. So this is this is a really, really big deal for them, like a huge accomplishment um, for their league. And I'm sure their players have seen this and been like, wow, I'm going to be, you know, featured a lot more in the national uh, media coverage and and stuff like that. I feel like they're going to get way more attention now um, than they than they did before because they're having four times the games covered. Literally four times the games. I mean, minus two, but basically <laughs> four times the games. Right. So, I mean, they're just going to be displayed so much more. And their league commissioner described it as the beginning of our future, which is honestly one of the most powerful things about this to me is that makes sense. They started in 2012 and you know, so they've been around for 11 years, but now they're looking at this as the beginning because this is really the point where they take off. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're thinking about the NWSL, right, specifically, this is the third version of professional women's soccer throughout the U S and throughout its history. So this is a huge smile step for them really getting that. Um, and seeing the growth of the women's game overall, like we've seen in Europe, like we saw with the Women's World Cup this summer, like we've talked about from there, right? This is huge for them. Um, and I'm 
going to make a call back, right? Two years ago when I first came into college, right? I, we were writing the end of, writing about the NWSL in a way where the, end of, uh, the NWSL might be collapsing, right? They had sexual assault allegations. There were coaches issues. There was major issues that, yeah. financially because of all of this stuff. Um, and my sports quarter of the week referencing from ESPN, right? In its decade of existence, National Women's Soccer League has been rocked by widespread allegations of emotional, verbal, and sexual abuse, something that we saw as near as two years, a year and a half ago, right? Something that's still an ongoing right. issue of all this stuff, right? There's a new documentary out, um, an ESPN 60-minute type documentary called Truth Be Told, now available on ESPN+. Plus. I highly suggest giving you to watch if you don't know a lot about the uh, NWSL and kind of how it's developed and how it's grown. Um, but these allegations are stuff we're talking about that's really recent. And for a league to go and yeah, turn around to elevate itself to this level in that quick of time, right. wow, the, the sky has to be the limit, right? Right. They're, they clearly, you know, struck a chord with their audience because, mm. you know, their audience size just grew so much this past season. Two factors that helped them get the deal where they had a record number of viewers for the championship game, 915,000, but also total viewership. And I think this is the most telling part of the story to me for how they captured their audience this year. Their total viewership was up 21% from last year. They grew their audience by a fifth, right? That's, that's actually like a big deal, right? And that, I think that's part of the reason that these networks looked at them and said, hey, we think that they deserve this amount of money because they clearly are showing that their product is going to be successful. And absolutely agreed. And I'm thinking, right, when we're talking about the women's game and we're talking before COVID, right, it wasn't something that was really televised outside of probably no. the final 16 of the World Women's World Cup, right? And right. I don't think I as a soccer view, viewer or somebody as a casual viewer um, would really see that. So looking post COVID post, and I'm, I'm going to make some really weird connections here, but thinking about post Sunderland till I die, right. Which came out during COVID, which was huge and boomed up that soccer population of people looking for that content con to consume post all these documentaries that were done about like Leeds and man city and all this stuff and post now, um, Welcome to Wrexham, right, which in season two has a really big focus on their women's team in a, in a couple of their episodes and really connect that and connect it as we're talking about it as a whole club, as a whole thing. And then seeing the growth of it post-COVID when we come back um, and like games like the Women's FA Cup final having 90,000 people in attendance, right? And right. still their attendance numbers are much less overall, but the amount of growth and the desire that it's shown for this has really opened the doors and it's... I can really only explain it as a post-COVID phenomenon, right? If COVID didn't happen, I don't see this happening. So you think their growth has to do with the COVID and the fact that, you know, everybody kind of couldn't watch sports for a while and then came back. And then, you know, in these last couple of seasons, it's been way better because people are, you know, watching something that they were deprived of before. I don't think it's a sole reason, but I think it's definitely something that we can look to see connections, right? Because you look and you see the growth of podcasting on it. You look and see the growth of documentaries. You look and you see the growth of all these things. And then you go and you see this growth from the women's game perspective on the same side, increasing and growing in the same way. 
it's really hard for me to say that I don't see a link in the connection where I mean, it makes sense of COVID, right? Because it, it's driving people to the stadium, right? They want to be able to see the game because they didn't get to see it for three and a half years. Right. Right. Yeah. So no, it's, totally it's something they're craving. Sense. But there's right. definitely other factors like how we consume media and all this stuff and how they're advertising it more. And there's the whole movement of equality and equal pay um, and making right. sure that those opportunities are created. So I think there's a lot more to it outside of that, but I think that Absolutely. plays play a key role. I mean, this, this definitely shows that women's sports is certainly on, you know, on the come up compared to even, you know, four or five years ago, you know, pre COVID where, you know, there wasn't a ton of coverage of women's sports in the media. Um, they, I mean, I, I think the NWSL didn't traditionally do very well pre COVID. Am I correct? Correct. And like attendance. That's why there were, yes. Hence why there were three different women's professional leagues before the NWSL, which had all gone and folded, right. Which had all gone and seen a lack of success. And now the NWSL goes in and we were talking about it two years ago, just outside of COVID. Are they going to fold because they didn't have the financial backing? They didn't have this. And I remember I wrote essays about it in my freshman intro to sports management class. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, no way they do. They're, they're, they're going, they're going to boom. Right, they're gonna bounce yeah. back from this, and they're gonna go. And oh my God, I was right, and I'm so happy about it. But we don't need to yeah. worry about that. <laughs> and to go, like, to go from that place to where they are now, I think shows yeah. um, a huge, um, a huge dedication on both their league's part and their team's um, staff that mm. they realized that they had a good product and stuck with it despite the fact that they typically weren't doing so well, and they realized that. Hey, this is going to work eventually. We just have to be persistent, um, and that's Absolutely. that's one of the things that I took out of it. And the other thing I took out of it was the combination of the new money that they're getting and the coverage. I mean, think about it: forty times the money that they were making, and four times the matches that are being covered is going to increase their influence in the sports world immensely compared to what they had before. Right, we're talking now. Your teams have much now. Your marketing and um, social teams have much more content to put out there, right? And now your viewers, your audience, can find you not just on your own streaming platform because that's where they had been really before, other than CBS in their previous right. deal, where they were at one and a half million a year. They had been on their own streaming service, so now your viewers can find you in many more places than they were before. And that ease of access is something that I believe is going to have their audience grow um, substantially. Absolutely agreed. And by far, like looking at it and thinking, holy moly, what what's going to happen, right? With the Olympics coming up recently in 2024 and how that's all going to process the women's, the U.S. women's national team getting a new coach. Um, and I listened to a YouTube video on it earlier this week the coach from Chelsea, who's been probably the top club coach in all of European women's soccer for the last four to eight years, right? Probably maybe only beaten out by the coach who's leading Leon. I don't remember um, his or her name, but that's a huge statement. I think for us women's soccer, right? Going forward, the NWSL is now attracting more athletes from outside of just the U S or South America and Europe, like it has before it has a huge population. 
Um, and it's starting to just grow, like very different from where the MLS is seen um, and really starting to become maybe the NWSL can be seen as a premier division of uh, women's soccer, right? Which I believe it I is. think it's going to be. I, I think it's but actually think, going to be. I, the new money that they're receiving opens up so many possibilities for them in terms of now they can reach out to bigger companies to try to sponsor and partner with them, right? You know, their their partnership is going to increase by a lot. And as they collect more and more money from partners and from sponsors, that is only going to lead to the growth of their fan base because now they're going to have more money to put into advertising and marketing and, you know, merchandising and all of the things that grow your fan base, right? And that add mm-hmm. to the hype of how you put your season together and ultimately ends in the climax of your championship. Yeah. And absolutely agreed. Right. Um, the only concern for me is right. Soccer is a European dominated sport. Um, and we've seen it with the MLS of like the MLS is trying to bring those, I guess, premier players at the end of their career, like Leo Messi and trying to develop, I guess, as a league, but they're always going to be overshadowed by those top five European leagues. The NWSL now is an opportunity where, they aren't going to be shadowed. They have that financial comparison because of how I'm not male centric. The European soccer mind can be right. I was going to say, it seems like the NWSL is the top women's league in the world, at least in my mind at the moment, I would say it's between that and the women's super league in England. um, And it's between the two of them. I don't, I don't see, and I haven't heard enough about the, um, like the French league or the, um, the French league or the Spanish league. Um, and I'm forgetting their names, but they're both super hyper competitive. Like Leon has, is one of the elite teams. There's some great teams out of the Bundesliga, um, the women's Bundesliga specifically. Um, and I think there's definitely opportunities there, but they just don't get the same media coverage because of how male dominated those areas can be. Um, and yeah, because like the, the way the NWSL works is the like the clubs of the NWSL are not directly connected or linked or majorly most of them are not directly connected or linked to MLS clubs so it's not the same way the women's game in Europe works where they are directly linked to those um Premier That's League probably clubs a good thing for clubs. them to be independent right Correct that's what that's my thought right because they're going to be able to get more media coverage they're able to do their own social media they're able to get that specific focus um Right. They can have their own ideas. They're not relying on. Yeah. Right. right. They can have their own ideas. They're not relying on somebody. Exactly. Right. For me as a Brighton home Albion fan, right. I go and I, when I'm on Instagram, I have BHAFC women and Brighton and Hove Albion football club. Right. And it's like, why it's Brighton home Albion FC women. Why do they have to have a different Instagram page? Why shouldn't, right. You know what I mean? Um, as much as like I, I get why that kind of worked out, but I think for teams who are able to have their own Instagram page and have their own name, they're going to be able to get so much more coverage and so much more drive to their thing because they are entirely self-driven. Um, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, uh, to, to me, I would be so excited if I was working in one of those teams right now because this opens up the door for so many possibilities. What do you – what do you think are some of the things that we're going to see as a result of this deal in terms of how the teams operate? I definitely think the price point of player movement and all that stuff is probably going to create, become a little bit higher. Um, but I think the NWSL for the last two, three years has been run super well. 
Um, and I think will continue to be. I think they have to keep attacking it the way they have been. I don't think there's going to be a major change in terms of financials or how things are run. Maybe they get a little bit more extravagant with um, fan environments or uh, the online media interaction, just because I know they've been like the streaming service I've watched them on in the past is Paramount Plus. Um, so I think for them being on live television, maybe there's going to be a better string of commenters or right all that stuff um it, it's super complicated so it really depends on what they decide to do as a league and how they want to approach it um but there's definitely a lot of a lot of avenues and opportunities where fan interaction is going to be huge i think i think we're going to see a lot of tv avenues open up whether it be um they're trying to get creative like doing stuff like the nhl has been doing recently or like the nfl with all the digital media stuff but i don't think they're big enough to have that audience to create two separate things. Um, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know where they're going to go. So it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, it'll be, it'll definitely be interesting to see what they decide to do with all of their newfound cash for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, there's so many different possibilities that they could take and it's a very exciting time, not just for them, but also for women's sports, right? This kind of represents, mm. Um, how women's sports has grown in, in specifically the last few years, not just, um, you know, for them, but, you know, we've seen the WNBA grow, women's college basketball, that kind of stuff grow, women's college soccer grow. So um, having the NWSL have the largest duel in women's sports history and having them be, in my mind, I think they're the most successful women's league in the U.S. at the moment. Um having them be that is only going to mean good things for women's sports going forward. Agreed. Um, unless you have anything else on that, you mentioned the NHL and the NHL is our next topic. So, all right. So the NHL launches a digital, the NHL just launched a digital collectibles platform called breakaway. So for those who don't know what digital collectibles are, because a lot of people don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say that it's, Think, think like your traditional like NFT, right? You know, that's basically what they're doing. And NFT, for anyone who doesn't know, is a non-fungible token. It's basically digital currency. But the NHL didn't want to call it that. They didn't want to call it an NFT because it sounds better from a marketing perspective if you call it a digital collectible, right? Think about if you're a prospective buyer, I think you're going to be more willing to spend your money on something that you can actually understand what it means rather than an acronym. But that's just me. Um, no, I basically, totally agree. Yeah. Especially with basically, like, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. But all the things with how the NFT kind of the consensus of it being a bit of a scam now. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. With those, a lot of celebrities. So I think going digital fungible token makes so much sense there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, they're not the first league to get into this. The uh, the MLB, NFL, and NBA have all experimented with this kind of thing. But there's definitely some unique elements to what they're doing. So basically what they're doing is they're having uh, – this is a direct quote from their website, by the way. Fans and collectors can collect, gift, trade, display, and participate in set collections and challenges to earn exciting rewards. And the collectibles are different highlights throughout NHL history. So think like, you know, I'm a Bruins fan, Bobby Orr's goal, like that, like that kind of stuff, right? Um, so huge moments in NHL history that you can buy and trade with other fans. And that's, that's really their unique thing for the NHL um, 
breakaway platform is the trade lounge where fans can, and again, I'm quoting from their website, trade packs and highlights of their favorite NHL players with others in the community, as well as search for highlights to trade or for, yeah, right. Search for highlights or search for players to trade. So I think this is a really interesting concept. Honestly, it's something before I read this article, I had never heard of before. Had you ever heard of any league doing something like this? No, I never heard of a league doing it, but what it immediately makes me think of is FIFA, right? Like, the entire and people spend millions, billions of dollars on FIFA every year. That's their income and revenue, right. right? And it is the whole concept of a transfer market and all of that stuff is you're going to pack players, there's special players you can get, and you're going to be able to sell them in a transfer market, right? And I have right on my FIFA game, I have 500,000 coins plus in transfer market profit, right? And it's like that's literally the exact same concept of okay, you're going to come here and I don't know how you can earn packs. I don't think you could realistically earn packs through watching games. I don't think that's how the NHL would do it. I don't know exactly what that means, but like you are going to buy a pack, meaning you're going, you're spending your money. Um, In a FIFA comparable, you're buying FIFA points and buying the pack, right? Right. And there's some incentive. um, Just to just go back, you, you mentioned like buying versus, you know, earning. And so there is a challenge portion of it. So again, quoting from them, it introduces challenges for completing sets within categories like highlights and collectibles, team sets, and NHL player sets with opportunities to earn rewards, such as real-life NHL experiences and exclusive packs. So to me, I wonder what NHL experiences means. You know what I mean? I wonder if that's like you get to go meet and greet a player for a day or you get free tickets or it's a discount to the shop or something like that. There's a bunch of different ways you can go with that. What do you like, what do you think is going to be the incentivized part of it? Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be super cool. I, there's a European based, um, soccer card trading app that does very similar concept. Um, and it's been super successful. It's huge right now. Um, and people are, people pay $100 plus for cards in the trading deals, right? Right. So I think not only are they going to do a huge part, this is going to increase fan interaction because like I'm an, I'm a, I'm a grind addict type of person where I get super addicted to something and I love like just collecting stuff. Like if you were to come right. into my room, you just see like, I've got random pictures in frames because I like going to Goodwill and getting frames, Right. I would like right. going to a hockey game and being able to go and get a player from my favorite team because I'm interacting with the pack or because I'm at a game or because I'm able to go and interact in all of that. I'm able to go and watch hockey or go and fulfill those whatever challenges they might be. I'm super curious to see what the interaction aspect there is going to be. And because Absolutely. I did that challenge, I'm actually able to go to an Islanders game where usually I can't afford the tickets or I don't right. buy the tickets because I'm like, I'd rather save my money. I'll watch it on the TV as much as I'd love to go to a game, right? And I'm able to go and take that next step. So I, right. I think the fan interaction thing, this is taking it to the next level. It's going to be so awesome. I love it. Absolutely. I was going to mention, like, there's a totally new level of fandom, a totally new dynamic of fandom that's being created. What do you think is going to be kind of um, the impact of having a new level of connection through this online trading for the NHL, do you think the fans are going to feel closer to the players or closer to the league because 
they're watching and buying their favorite highlights now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and beyond the just favorite highlights, like these are your favorite players. These are people that you now, you own a piece into them, right? Like, right. The more successful that player is at that franchise, the more your card is going to be worth, right? You right. are it's an investment into a stock, really, right? When you're right, thinking yeah. about it that way. So, like, obviously, I want to go and see my favorite player succeed and I want to create that link. Like, my FIFA team, and I don't know why I keep drawing it back to FIFA, but it's the most comparable thing I can think of from my life. My FIFA team is full of Brighton and Hove Albion players who no one else on the game is going to ever use, but it's just, it's how I enjoy the experience because there are right. players I like seeing, like watching play. There's players that who play for my favorite club and connect to that. So I can see people going and like connecting and collecting their favorite cards from their favorite teams and having that and like, oh, here's my top five and sending texts to their friends who are watching the game. Kind of similar how fantasy football is part of the reason why football is so huge and that all that interaction they get from that is absolutely massive. It is. I think this is going to be another avenue for that. Um, again, increasing fan interaction, increasing the opportunities to go and view and increasing the opportunities to really have that direct connection with players of you're like, Oh, you're on my team. You're in my, you're in my thing. Right. I have you on my app. Let's go. Right. And they get right. hype about it. Right. Especially as a hockey fan, like the energy, those people, those people carry, as a fan is different from any other sport. Absolutely. Like, it's it's definitely going to create a new level of connection to it. To me, I wonder how it's going to perform at first because, you know, I read that a couple other leagues had dabbled or experimented in this type of thing, like the NBA and the MLB had both done it. And, but I had never heard of that before. You know what I mean? It, like, mm. I wonder if they're going to, spend a lot of money trying to advertise that they are doing this because otherwise who's going to know about it? You know what I mean? Like they have to, they have to get it off the ground running really well um, and get it performing really well. And I think one of the things that will help them is the fact that they're making the distinction that is a, a digital collectible versus an NFT, right? Whereas you said like the NFT reputation online is just, it's not what it used to be. Right. Um, people don't get really excited about NFTs anymore because you know, a lot of people don't even know what it is because it's an acronym. You know, and this you make it uh, much more personable, right, mm. for the fan to be able to understand. This is exactly what I'm getting. This is why it's valuable to me. This is why I should make that investment. It's like you said, it's investing in a stock. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they market that and if they market it in coordination with games right do they make the ad for the breakaway platform live on their games or do they have it cross into other sports games or you know where do they put those ads i think those ads i think being advertising it is going to be the biggest part um but putting it on like you have a certain set of games for the first like month of the app being out where for every game you watch you get a free pack like I think that's going to be a way where like, that would oh be, yeah, I'm going, to download, yeah. I'm going to download this app because I have the opportunity to go and get a free whatever because I watched this game, right? And right, that would be, be like a good incentive for sure. And it could be random moments or it could just be player cards, right? Because I know those moments are probably going to be more rare. I don't know how they're doing pack odds yeah. or anything like that if it's a pack-based system. But I it think that's how you get It could be team specified. Yeah, it yeah. could 
it could definitely be like team specified. Like let's say the Bruins are playing the Flyers, right? I'm going to use Bobby Orr's, you know, famous goal again. Let's say like that's a thing like where if you tune into the game for, you know, a certain number of minutes, you can earn that pack, right? And that's how they increase the eyeballs that they're getting on their games. I feel like not only is it a way to make the fans closer with the game, but it's also a way to grow your audience because you have an incentive to watch these games now that you did not before as a fan. Absolutely. Very true. And that's going to be a huge part of it. Um, super curious to see where this goes just because there's so many different avenues and everything's going to have to be a chance at, and you're advertising it with that huge moment for that team, even right. though it's probably just like, and making it team specific makes sense. Um, but you have to do a chance at a chance at, and it's like, okay, well, of course I want that chance at, but the number of people that are going to get that are probably going to be super low just because you want right. those really special moments to be worth of really value. Cause that's how you're going to see the value in your, um, I guess you could say in your app, right? Cause that's going to be the driving factor. Um, so how can we make very special moments exclusive, but still make every pack and everything that somebody gets involved with feel of value, um, is, so it's, there's a tough balance for them to kind of cross there, and I'm curious to see how they manage it. Um, but I know for a fact I'm going to be downloading it, and every hockey game I watch, I'm going to be hoping they do a free pack system so I can get a couple. <laughs> yeah, right. And feed my feed my I definitely have <laughs> Right. I definitely have more incentive to watch hockey games now for sure. Mm, um, agreed. I think this is going to add a really interesting aspect to their fandom and to their league. And honestly, this is kind of like – it's not necessarily a new space, but it's certainly a space that not a lot of teams and leagues have gotten into, at least not for an extended period of time, right? NFTs and and that whole digital space is a relatively new thing in the world within, you know, within like the last five years or so. So, you know, I wonder how this is going to affect things like ticket sales, like viewership, um, like merchandise sales and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, sorry, I just no, to add on to that. I just had another thought. I wonder if having some of these older moments be in these packs, like uh, or like classic NHL goals and stuff like that. I wonder if that brings back, you know, classic merchandise, right? Like players from thirty years ago plus, and you know, we see a, a rise in sales of those types of of players, right? You know, New England Bobby Orr jerseys, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. I, definitely another avenue where we're going, we're bringing back that retro feel and giving people the opportunity to interact with our teams in different ways and unique ways. Um, and seeing a team and a league invest in this for a long period of time is something I've really been waiting for. And hopefully fans will give a lot of buy-in. So that feels validated. Um, it's definitely something that I think they should invest in. And I think it's going to be, it's the NHL again, in my opinion, in some ways and forms in some of the things they've done being a innovator and being something where they're taking that step before anyone Absolutely. else and taking a step. If they commit to this long term that before anyone else has, although like we've seen it in a weekday form in a, in a week format, I haven't seen it in a full season format where something has really lasted and stuck. Uh, and I really right. hope the NHL commits to this and we can see it stick like that. I do too. I think it's definitely going to be an interesting space to grow because that's, that's a space digitally, right? We, you know, we talk a lot about social media and stuff and, you know, we know all, how all that impacts 
sales and you know how your team does but this is a digital space where we haven't seen how it's going to impact anybody yet right or yeah. well not really long term at least um we've seen it in short bursts but not you know particularly for a league over an entire season or you know a few seasons so i wonder it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for sure over the next couple of years if they stick with it which i hope they do Agreed. Absolutely. Super, super psyched. I think this is so fun. <laughs> yeah, me too. And it's definitely, Random. it's definitely one of those. Sorry, go ahead. You're good. Go. I was gonna say, it's definitely one of those sports stories that like you don't see on the headlines, but definitely catches your eye. Like, wait, what is that? That sounds kind of cool. I want to check that out. You know what I mean? Which is why I wanted to talk about it in the first place. I like talking about those stories in this platform where it's like, it's not going to make front page headlines, but it's going to impact something that's going to, you know, impact the product of what you see on TV, right? Or, or what you see when you go to the game, right? I love talking about those kinds of stories. Agree. That's what gets me excited. And I was thinking about it. And I had a random thought during our conversation. I'm like, what if I could get this whatever card or moment of an of like an iconic hockey fight? And it's just oh yeah, it's just like Fights? gloves drop. Yeah, fight should be, be its so... own category. Yes, F- fight should literally be its own category within like the platform, like you know, or they could do like a ranking system for like best fight of you know the '80s, best fight of the '90s, best fight of the 2000s, like that kind of stuff. There are literally so many different ways that you can prioritize the highlights, right? Um, and you can make highlights out of literally anything that you want to. So. There's a ton of different ways that they can go with this. Agreed. And I really would be interested to see, especially because um, I don't know if you saw it, but the Carolina, what are they called? I don't Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Sorry, I got it there. Right. They had Danbury Whalers jerseys. That's because that's yeah. where the Danbury Whalers were brought out, were bought out, moved from Hartford. I'm sorry, not Danbury, Hartford Whalers. Um, right. The name was bought and used in Danbury at a certain point during my childhood, so we don't need to worry about that, but it was cool. Um, no, that's fair. So Hartford Whalers went and moved to Carolina. They were wearing those jerseys. Do we see these um, digital collectibles for the Hartford Whalers? Do we see it for other exactly lower hockey league teams? Cut out teams? for a second. Yeah, you're good. Can you hear me now? Zach, you still there? I'm still there. Okay. You cut out We're for back. like five, five to ten seconds. <laughs> I missed. Awesome. I missed the last part of what you said. What'd you say? No. So I was saying, like, can we see the NHL go and use this platform to make again those retro moments? Do we see Hartford Whalers digital collectibles? Do we see digital collectibles for teams from lower leagues of hockey, like the Danbury Trashers when they were in that oh, lower league hockey? And like, holy moly! Do you understand how much I would they could kill totally do like, for a Danbury Trashers digital collectible? Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely going to increase the value of um, – or the number of collectors that they have interacting with their sport. And also, you know, they could do collabs. Like you mentioned with their, like, affiliate leagues, they could do, like, AHL, ECHL collabs, like that kind of stuff. Even, like, Canadian Hockey League collabs, right? Like, because a lot of the – a lot of the people in Canada watch the NHL, right? Like that's a big audience yeah. there. So there's a ton of different crossovers you can do. I think it would be pretty cool to see a, a main Mariners, uh, a main Mariners section of 
of those collectibles. That would be interesting. Agreed. Absolutely. And something where it's like a fan who goes to a main Mariners game is going to now be able to get a collectible because they're offering that interactive feature of it. Like I was thinking about it. I don't know because like, I think there's so many things you can do with digital media and so many things you can do with fan interactions. And I love this Avenue because like you can kind of treat it like Pokemon go. Right. And you go to a game and you have kind of like a scavenger hunt. Uh, Yeah, definitely. You have the opportunity to go and find an interactive thing. And it's like not distracting from the game because there's a certain timetable of it or you put it out before the game or after the game where they're able to go and interact with things in your stadium and find that digital collectible or earn that digital collectible through that way. And there's so many. I was just going to say, you just you just gave me an idea. You could. You could have it be like a reward for like buying like a certain amount of concessions, right? Like let's say you buy like – I don't know if they sell hot dogs at NHL games. I'm not going to lie because I've only been to one of <laughs> game and I was like five. But let's say you buy two hot dogs and a beer or something like that, you know, and you get a collectible because of it, right? Like that that would be a really cool way to incentivize it or you buy a hoodie from the shop and you get, you know, a pack or something like that. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways that they can – um, that they can have fans interact with it, not only online, but also in, in person in stadium as well. Absolutely. Agreed. We're cooking. We're cooking with ideas. We're right cooking now. with this. We like this idea. We're having fun with it. Um, the only, yeah, absolutely. like the only issue I can see is like, although we're suggesting so many ways they can interact with it and so many ways they can use it and so many fun things. It's like, you really have to control how many of what is in circulation. Just That's true. like, just like money. Right. And for trying to put a value on this and trademark it on this, right, you have to control in some way or form how many of each card is in circulation. And when every card has an equal amount of pack chance, right, in like those really important moments or these really unique things, right, you can't guarantee they're going to get what they want every time, right? You have to, they're going to have to have some rules and regulations. Right. Exactly. You have to have cards that are circulating in the hundreds, you have to have cards that are circulating in the tens. You have to have cards where maybe there's only like five of them in existence, right? Yeah. And that's what makes it desirable. Like right. thinking about it in Pokemon, right? There's a reason that these older Pokemon cards are of value and desirable nowadays. And it's because there's so many, so much less in circulation and people celebrate and go crazy when they pack this however expensive Charizard. Right. And they still celebrate when they pack another cool card that's only worth 20 bucks. Right, because there's however many extra in circulation. So how how they manage that is what I'm really interested to see what happens, especially with how they manage just giving the most amount of opportunities to interact with it. Because that's how you're going to have to get fans onto the app. Then you can kind of take yeah, slowly limit absolutely. those opportunities. But they're going to have to have a, uh, like a portion of their staff to regulate it for sure. Um, absolutely, so I think they, few people I think are they definitely have hired. They yeah, they 100% have a plan. Get us on the staff. Get us on the staff. We'll run it. We know what's up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Neither of us have experience with NFTs, but we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever opportunity I can get. We're a good idea, um, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you not just hear us cooking for like 15 minutes? Fire. <laughs> Let us cook for you. Let us cook for you, NHL. Let us cook for you. <laughs> All right, yeah. I I'm pretty much I'm pretty much out of ideas for that unless you have anything else. <laughs> I can always think of more, but I'm good. I had so much fun with that though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we were having fun with that for sure. All right, um, let's move on to our sports quote of the weeks. Um, so you kind of already 
did yours, I guess, right? During the I, NWSL one, or do you have anything to add? Um, no, just just in some ways and form, go check out that um, documentary called Truth Be Told. I know I'm, I'm going to be watching it tonight um, and just kind of go and learn the story of the U.S. US uh, NWSL, sorry, um, and the story of U.S. women's soccer and how they've grown in the last year and what they've really come from. I think for our viewers and people who are wanting to be invested in these sports going forward, who have um, these huge new avenues, especially if you're looking to get into sports, knowing so much about the areas that you can get invested in and the connections you can make. Um, I think this is a great opportunity to know more about the NWSL, especially if you're looking to work in professional soccer, because it's another, now it's another huge opportunity for you to go and get a job. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely something a lot of people that are working in sports don't, really considers that they could go work for like the NWSL. I feel like I figure a lot of people, you know, target like the major four leagues, but they don't yeah. consider necessarily something like the NWSL, which honestly would be a really smart move to get into right now because it's, you know, it's like that stock where like you're, you're buying low and they're, you know, you know, it's going to grow and they're definitely positioned to grow right now. So I, I think that'd be, I think they're going to see a lot more people start applying to, to their jobs for sure. And that's another thing is they're going to start getting more, more talent and more attention. Um, mm. Not just even on the staff side from the player perspective too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, it's going to be huge. And like, as, as a future sports worker, future person who's working in sports, right. The places like the USL, the UPSL, the NWSL, USL women's right. Those are places where I should be applying, right? Those are places where it's not an already flooded market. And there's places where you're going to have opportunities as a college, somebody straight out of college to get a really unique opportunity and really test yourself um, and make something, some some amazing connections, really make a name for yourself. Right. I can go and I can apply to be a um, youth programs director at the New York Red Bulls. Right. Which is, great. And I think that's probably a, something that I have on my job application list for when I graduate and when I finish my MBA in two years time. Right. But that's something that's like, I know there's going to be tons of other people applying for that, just like there would be with the NWSL job. But I think I'm going to, with my portfolio, I think I'm going to have a higher opportunity with the NWSL and a higher amount of growth with that than I would with the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, that no hate on the New York Rebels because I love them and I would love to work for them. So, yeah, um, that makes that makes total sense. Planting the seed of thought, right? Right. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Um, So, for those who are listening who do want to work in sports, maybe consider the NWSL as something you might want to apply to that you hadn't considered before because they're definitely on the come up. All right, so on to my sports quote of the week. Um, so I need to explain a little bit of context before I read my actual quote. So Brian Cashman, who's the general manager of the New York Yankees, said this about one of his players, John Carlo, John Carlos Stanton, um, the other day. He said that Stanton is going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be a part of his game. So, Interesting. Right. So that's a GM kind of taking a shot in a lot of people's opinions at one of his players. Right. Mm. Which is honestly something that we don't particularly see a lot in sports. You know, that's right. 
and it was like it was vague, but it was pretty clear what he was doing, right? Um, and I, my quote is from his agent Joel Wolf. I read the context of the entire interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. So, right. So my question is, is the agent right or are free agents not going to want to sign in New York now because of this, right? Do you want to play for a general manager who trashes, well, not trashes you, but, you know, makes comments like that to the media about you when you get injured? Mm. Yeah, no, great question. It's very true. And I think this is a more overall sports issue rather than just specific to the New York Yankees or to this situation, right? When you look at the top teams in every league, there's a team who has probably the highest market share, has some of the highest fan bases. And because of that, say a Manchester United, right? Or say a New York Yankees, they get so much media attention and so much media attention of when you're not doing well and you're expected to do well, you're going to have a lot of critics, right? Absolutely. People who are in your own staff, right? So be able to go and play for a franchise, which has a, which is historically one of the most popular in the world, right? In a city, which is the most popular, one of the most populated in the U S in a, right. In a city like New York, right, in a situation where because of this, you're under a lot of stress. There's so many different factors. There's so many eyes on you and your team that when you get injured as one of those stars, as one of those free agents, as somebody who's come in and expected to make an impact, you're going to hear about it, right? You look at Manchester United right now, and I don't remember what place they are. But typically you don't hear about it from your own GM, at least not publicly. It's usually behind closed doors, right? It's unspoken. Correct. But I think the comment he's making isn't directly in response to, although it's directly in response to the GM statement, I think it speaks to an overall issue in sports where when you sign for those big teams and those teams don't succeed in the way they're expected to, you are you going to be a lot criticized. Of and you uh, have yeah, to absolutely. have mental toughness to deal with that because you're hearing about it from so many different people. And that's really can be really hard to have that many people. Right. Like, kind of talking about you. So you think he meant it literally. He wasn't being like sarcastic. Like, Oh, you have to be, you don't think he was being sarcastic. No, no, not at all. I I read it as he was being very literal statement. I, uh, okay. I read it as he was being a little sarcastic. Like, um, you know, you have to be super, um, you have to be super tough in every aspect because you can't get injured according to the GM, you know, like, right. Which is definitely a piece of it too. Definitely a piece yeah. of it too, right? Like I felt like you there have... was a little snark behind it. No, it absolutely. And him as that agent of that player, that's definitely a comment that he should be making, right? Yeah, telling the GM right. essentially. I get it. Like defend, defend your off. guy. Like I get it. Yeah, but um, you know, I I just thought it was interesting to me. Like I wonder if Cashman heard from his PR team anything about saying that. You know, like maybe we shouldn't say that about one of our players. <laughs> You know, like it is true. He does have an injury history like that. Like that's a, that is a fact. Right. But to say like, oh, that's part of his game feels like, I don't know. That feels like a shot. Right. Um, it does. Definitely. It could have been, it could have definitely been a better statement. Something like, um, you know, injury is always a possibility, but we're hoping to have him out there for as long as we can. 
right? Absolutely, right? There's definitely a better way to make this statement um, and a better way to protect yourself and kind of protect your, your team and the way you guys, the way you unify. Um, I, I don't think he was a good move from the GM at all, right? I definitely, no. but I think it definitely speaks to that overarching theme of when you're on that quote unquote biggest team with the biggest big market, market share teams. or markets, market shares, right? Big market teams, right? That are historically have that connection to fans and have that connection to media, right? It's hard to avoid that. And sometimes things slip. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we're all human. I like, I get it. Like sometimes things slip and I know I just <laughs> criticized him a lot, but like, I do recognize that like mistakes happen, right? Um, you're not always going to be perfect, but I, I feel like, before a press conference, right? I'm sure somebody's in his ear telling him like, this is what you're going to say. If you're asked this question, you know, like those type of things, of course there are meetings about that. So I feel like somebody had to have prepared him <laughs> to talk about John Carlos Tan, right? He's like, that's one of their biggest guys on contract. He's got to be at least a little bit prepared. Right. Yeah. So it, like things slip out, like we get it. But at the same time, I, that's something that, um, <laughs> kind of should be a little bit unspoken or at least spoken behind closed doors, right? Within an organization. You don't, I don't think you want to let other GMs know that that's a part of his game either. Right. Because what if you're trying to trade him, then they're going to be like, Hey, you said this. So we don't want to sign him for as much, or we won't give up as much or, you know, like as high value of players because we know injuries are, as you said, a part of his game. Right. Right. So not only does it put, him in a bad position, but it also puts the entire organization in a bad position. You know, if they decide to do anything with him in the future, such as trading. Yeah. And it's defamation in some way or form, right? So it's definitely hard to receive that as a player from somebody who brought you into the franchise um, and is part of your management team, but also kind of hard to kind of give that out as a franchise and be like, yeah, he's just going to get hurt again. Yeah, that's right. not something you should be. That's not something you should be saying to the media. And from their the New York Yankees media team, right? They could definitely do better there, right? And I think they right, know that, sure. and they should know that. And if they don't, I don't know where their heads are at. So right, you, like even if you're frustrated with the situation with him being hurt a lot, you know, a number of years in a row, which is true, like that is definitely a fact. That's the case, but you just can't say that right you can't like show the frustration you still have to understand like this is one of your largest guys on contract i think he's like the third or fourth largest contract that they have um i know it's aaron judge garrett cole and then i believe it's stan is the third one so this is your third largest contract that you have so you have to treat him like that you know what i mean um and saying like he's i they're basically calling him injury prone like they didn't use those words but that's essentially what they're saying you know, why are you going to try to annoy a guy who's you're, you're paying the third most money to, you know what I mean? He's not going to want to play for you. Do you want to get value out of the deal? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. maybe that's, maybe I'm being a little critical and a little biased, but that's just, that's just my point of view on it. No, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. Right. It's not a logical decision that they just made. Right. It's not something right. you say in front of the cameras. It's not something that right. you say face to face with the guy that you have playing for you. You want to believe I mean, in him. I mean, I feel like even investing. I honestly, I feel like if they had had that conversation and he had said to him, like, if the GM had said to Stan himself, like face to face, that like in a one on one conversation in a room, 
that would make more sense in a, in context to me than saying it mm. to the media. You know what I mean? I think, yes, I agree with you there, right? But I think if he's having that one-on-one conversation with him, he's not just telling him you're going to get injured again. You're, you're t- right. He's telling him you're going to get injured again. What can we do to make to sure help that you. doesn't happen or to minimize the chance of that happening? Whether right. it be through putting him through more training and giving the ATs more time with him where he's taking care of his body more, he's meditating and he's stretching or whatever it is, right? Um, I don't know, specifically good stretches for baseball, but like they, for like a good example of this, right? Pep Guardiola gave a similar comment about Erling Holland, who before he went to Man City had a really, really bad kind of, not bad, but had a serious injury record where every year he would get injured for a, at least one month of the year, right? Where he's right. missing games and that's, he's a major goal scorer for any team. And so you're missing out on that star player, somebody who you're paying one of the top earners at your club, right? So how did Man City go and manage that? And Pep acknowledged, yeah, he has an injury record, but we're managing that. We're making sure he's given that time. We're managing his nutrition and all these things. And that's a conversation where you sound like a professional, not a conversation right. where you sound like a sports pundit or a sport commenter or some random guy on Twitter going and saying, Oh, he's just going to get hurt again. Absolutely. Yeah. That is, that's actually kind of the perfect analogy. It sounds like, it sounds like an angry fan on Twitter. That's exactly what it sounds like. And, you know, to me, you do have to maintain a little bit more professionalism than that, just in my opinion. Um, But I do think that's something going forward that they should try to work on is, you know, not, is having that level of professionalism, even when talking about players that do have an injury prone track record, you know, not, um, not throwing them under the bus essentially. Right. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, that's still your guy. Right. And he still has to play for your team. And if you want him to play well, you want him to have good feelings about the organization. Right. Cause otherwise let's say he goes to another team. He can just, start saying whatever he wants to to the media about your organization, right? And then you have a PR disaster on your hands, right? So it's just there was there was a smarter way to handle it. That's all it is. Agreed. Yes. Man, we did an hour today. I was not I know, expecting we were flying. that. <laughs> I know. I thought like I thought like, okay, we both have stuff to do today, like later. So, you know, we'll just do like a quick half hour and get out of here. But no, we went for an hour. That was good. When it's flowing, it's flowing, Paul. Just gotta it was, let the river was, let the river go. Yeah. <laughs> it was flowing today, for sure. Uh all right. I hope you all enjoyed that. I think that was one of our more fun conversations, at least specifically the last two sections I very much enjoyed. Um so follow us on socials if you have not already. SBT underscore podcast on Instagram, SBT.pod23 on TikTok, and SBT underscore pod on Twitter. And we also are up on YouTube now, and our website is sportsbusinesstake.com. So um, if you know anybody who works in the sports industry who's looking to be a guest on a podcast or talk about their job or would be willing to give us some insight into their tips on how to get into the industry, let us know. Contact us through our website. Contact us through our Instagram, our Twitter, whatever. And, you know, because we are very much open to guests right now, very much looking for guests right now. So, um, you know, I signed us up for a couple of of guest matching sites, but nothing's really come out of it so far. So I'm I'm trying to do whatever we can to, 
to get some high quality guests on here. So please let us know. And thank you as always for listening. Um, we could not do that. We could not do any of this without anybody listening, right? That would just, uh, just wouldn't make sense, but hopefully tell your friends about us and we'll get more people to listen. Right. So thank you guys for listening and have a good week.